Welcome to Mayo Clinic's ECG segment, Making Waves, continuing medical education podcast. Join us every other week for a lively discussion on the latest and greatest in the field of electrocardiography. We'll discuss some of the exciting and innovative work happening at Mayo Clinic and beyond with the most brilliant minds in the space and provide valuable insights that can be directly applied to your practice. Welcome to Mayo Clinic's ECG segment, Making Waves. In this episode, we're diving deep into the fascinating world of ECG signal processing. As technology has evolved, so has our ability to understand and interpret the language of the heart. The importance of filtering in ECG interpretation is paramount, but how does it work? From traditional methods to cutting edge AI techniques, we'll explore the noise that challenges our readings and the modern solutions aiming to clear that static. We're excited to have Dr. Alan Kennedy back with us as our expert guest today. Dr. Kennedy is a distinguished biomedical engineer who holds a PhD in the application of machine learning for ECG interpretation. Globally recognized for his research, he has been honored with accolades from esteemed institutions like the Institute of Engineering and Technology, as well as the International Society of Computerized Electrocardiology. Before founding Pulse AI, Dr. Kennedy worked as a research scientist at Philips Healthcare, specializing in the development of deep learning methods for cancer detection. Dr. Kennedy, thank you for joining us again today. Thanks for having me, Anthony. You know, well, I'm always excited when I talk to you because I, I learn a lot about an area that I am not too familiar with, and it's that signal processing. We, you know, we tend to do a lot with the discovery mode of building these models, but there's also an important aspect of filtering. And so, you know, I wanted to pick your brain and first start off with like, how does this ECG signal filtering enhance actually the precision and clarity of the interpretation from the ECG? So the actual interpretation of the ECG is very much dependent on the quality of the ECG. So you'll see, and as you'll know within your institution as well, there'll be multiple recordings sometimes because of bad quality, but sometimes you don't have the luxury of doing that if the person's recording their ECG with their, their Apple Watch say at home or something, or if they're wearing a monitor for a number of days. Like, for example, if you're looking to find uh, P waves in the signal, any kind of noise, particularly if the P waves is, is of low amplitude, it can be very difficult to detect if there's not effective filtering of the signal. Um, so the, fil the filtering really is key to giving the interpreter confidence that they're seeing the key features that they need to see, um, and particularly when they're looking at rhythms uh, and P waves, and even sometimes looking at the ST segment to make sure that you haven't over-filtered the signal. Not always a very smooth signal is necessarily a very well-filtered signal, and that's something that is a critical importance to the user when they're looking at the ECG to know that they have confidence that they're actually able to do a good and accurate interpretation. So really filtering between that man-made, the artifact, and what is the native signal from the patient's heart. Now, when we think of this, where do you see as like the predominant types of noise that you see that actually compromise the quality of the signal? And you know, what are you doing to filter and mitigate the interference from these outside uh, noises? Yeah, yeah. So the the one that is most prominent typically, if you looked at the very raw signal from say a 12 lead ECG monitor, is usually the mains noise that comes in. So it, it'll be in 50 hertz or 60 hertz. It'll look like a sine wave on the ECG. And that can really, if it's not uh, removed effectively with your filtering, whether a hardware filter or a software filter, it can really just distort the entire ECG and you can see very little to actually do your interpretation. 
However, it is relatively easy to remove that with a filter because it's slightly higher frequency than what the actual ECG is itself. The same goes for baseline wander. So the sort of the rise and the fall in a very low frequency, the baseline of the ECG goes up and it goes down. The more challenging thing to remove from the ECG is actually things like muscle noise and electrode motion which can be right in the middle of the actual interesting parts of the ECG. So the, the P waves and the T waves often can be at the same frequency as the electrode motion and, and the muscle noise and can make it very hard to, to find P waves and the clear ST segments to either detect if someone's had atrial fibrillation or if they're maybe having an acute coronary event and you need to look at the J point on the ECG. So uh, those are the typical uh, classifications for the different types of noise. And traditionally, we would remove that noise with uh, your sort of bandpass filter, we would call it. And there's two dominant ways to do that is between 0.5 and 40 hertz, which is ambulatory filtering, and then 0.05 and 150 hertz, which would be diagnostic. So you'd be able to use it for, for chest pain monitoring, so monitoring for acute myocardial infarction, uh, and more advanced things morphologically on the ECG. You know, we're kind of in this whole world of AI, and it's really kind of exploded over the years. And we... When thinking in the, the filtering world, which you live in a lot, comparing these AI filtering techniques in the traditional fixed filtering methods uh, in ECG signal processing, what are some of the like the primary distinctions? What's different between these approaches? Yeah, so the, the thing we're always struggling with as engineers is you're you're trying to do the best amount of filtering without distorting the ECG signal, which is, is almost impossible because if you're trying to remove something, you're removing some of the diagnostic information as well. So uh, at Pulse AI, what we were really trying to do is like we used a lot of neural networks to do the interpretation piece, so classifying whether someone's having an arrhythmia, an acute event. Um, but then we were thinking to ourselves, I wonder... If we could go back to some of the classical things we were working on with the sort of bread and butter signal processing, can we teach a neural network what is noise and what an ECG is? Because the, the trouble with really traditional methods, which is the, the ones that will be used typically in monitors at the moment, is they're really based on frequency. So we'll say this frequency is where the ECG is, and then this frequency is where the noise is, and we'll do our best to separate those two out. But the neural networks on the AI technology can really understand the context of what ECG was. So what we were able to do is take very clean uh, electrocardiograms, so ones that have very little amounts of noise, artificially add noise to them, and then start teaching an AI, okay, this is clearly noise, and this is actually the clean ECG. So they could separate those two things out. And the beauty of doing it that way, really, is you don't do any kind of phase distortion to the ECG. So you don't... Uh, you don't lift the J point artificially, or you don't have some sort of biphasic looking T wave. So you leave the ECG the way it is in the ECG's original recording, but you effectively tell it, okay, take the, the noise away. And that is much, much better for trying to do things, for example, from like an Apple Watch, which has got a dry electrode on it. If you can tell it, okay, let's not do any distortion to the signal, but take away the noise. And that's really the holy grail of, of filtering. Really important, and from what I see it from the clinical side, I'm really glad that we have people like you that, that do this sort of stuff. Now, as developers integrate AI into the ECG signal filtering, what are the potential challenges they might encounter, and what do you suggest as strategies that they can employ to overcome any potential challenges? The AI models are great. They're really big, and they're really powerful in what they can do in, in terms of learning patterns. 
But if you don't train them correctly, they can begin to, what we would call like hallucinate. They would almost be able to invent things on the ECG. And this is absolutely the opposite of what you want to do when you're trying to remove the noise. You do want to add something else in. Um, so what we were doing, uh, experimenting with this technology is when we went too big with the model and we were too aggressive about how we were training it, um, you would actually start inventing P waves in patients like AFib patients and stuff. So you'd see this, you've added this extra bit of artifact. You've taken all the noise out, but you've added in a morphological artifact. And the way we were able to get around that is doing some prospective clinical validation. So we'll take a recording from a noisy device like a smartwatch, but we'll also take a standard clinical 12 ECG. So we know what the cleanest possible signal can look like from that person. And then we'll say, well, okay, this person's got AFib, there's no P waves here. And also we haven't created P waves in the signal either. It's always that balance of, yes, we're using very powerful models, but powerful models can sometimes go away and start making things up on their own, which is something we don't want them to do. So that, uh, that was the biggest challenge was getting the, the validation done and making sure we weren't adding any extra morphological things to the signal because when we're training on such large databases, we had a million ECGs to do this training. It was like it was able to learn effectively and try and it was able to get the noise out, but then it kept going and started adding different things to the ECG. So that was quite fascinating to see. It got us a, an insight to how the AI actually works. But those are the type of shortcomings. And it's not unlike adding an artificial J point to the, a very aggressively filtered signal. We just need to know that this is a problem, do the correct prospective clinical validation before we start using it on, on patients, really. I mean, have you found other ways to overcome them and that challenge? Yeah, yeah. So there's actually um, there's something we're looking at and perhaps even looking to patent at some stage, hopefully, is the correct way to actually add the noise to the signal. Because if you completely mm -hmm. obscure the signal, then the ECGs, the actual AI will start inventing the parts of the signal it thinks are in the signal without actually knowing they're there. Um, so we have been looking at that in, in great detail, actually, and have made some great strides with that. So hopefully we'll be publishing some papers coming towards the end of the year and what we've been doing and, and the actual performance of that. We have come some good measurements of signal-to-noise ratio and good improvements on that, particularly on the sort of wearable devices that patients would have at home now, because those are the most challenging ones to get the noise out of. Um, so those are the types of... Uh, the thing we really fall back on is, okay, what is the cleanest possible ECG that can be recorded? And it really is a 12-bit ECG with excellent skin preparation. And then we use that as the gold standard, and then everything will map towards that. So if we're closely aligned to that type of signal, then we are effectively removing the noise from the devices. And, and that's what we're using as our gold standard as a, as a calibration. You got it. And, and you know, you know, these mobile devices and a lot of the, the monitoring at home is some of the hardest, but you're right. That's where the noise is. But if you could solve that, I, I mean, my gosh, would we, we really like you? <laughs> because I think that's where the, the value is in the next step uh, apart from as you mentioned, the gold standard and, you know, hopefully, you know, not adding or taking out noise in which you're essentially cardioverting, taking the patient from AFib into sinus rhythm with an artifact, uh, <laughs> maybe yeah, artifactual like, cardioversion, right? So, yeah, no, absolutely. Um, and this is something yeah. we see from those consumer devices is that actually a lot of device manufacturers create really smooth looking signals, but they're actually distorting the signal when they're, they're smoothing it. They're sort of chopping it up and putting it back together and, and you get these weird kind of artifacts. And we're not sure when we're looking at it, is that actually in the raw signal? Because we don't see the raw signal. We see the, the filtered output of the signal a lot of the time. So that was a lot of the motivation behind doing this work and building these AI models to do that was to maintain the act, the absolute accuracy of what the ECG is when it's recorded, but also just get the noise out of it. And, and there's a... Uh, there's still work to do, um, but I think the some of the limitations of the consumer devices that we have now is because we're distorting it when we're filtering it, and we can't get some of those interesting diagnostic features out of it because we've created this artifact of our own.
it's not noise, but it's something else we've done with the filters. So, yeah, it's a, a super interesting field that we're working in now, and hopefully we can solve this with a with a good uh, AI based network. Yeah, it's it's really cool, and, and you guys are doing a great job from the, the filtering and also the the other side of things of the discovery side. So. You know, from today's enlightening discussion, it's evident that our understanding of technology grows. So does our ability to better interpret the electrical signals from our heart. Filters, both traditional and AI driven, stand as silent guardians, ensuring that we get the most accurate insights from every ECG interpretation. We've only scratched the surface, but as we march forward, the synergy between technology and cardiology promises even clearer insights. On behalf of our team, thank you for joining us, Dr. Kennedy. We hope you'll join us again. Thank you. Thanks, Anthony. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you for joining us today. We invite you to share your thoughts and suggestions about the podcast at cveducation.mayo.edu. Be sure to subscribe to a Mayo Clinic cardiovascular CME podcast on your favorite platform. And tune in every other week to explore today's most pressing electrocardiography topics with your colleagues at Mayo Clinic. This has been a Mayo Clinic podcast.